0: Welcome
1: to The Empowered Investor. My name is Keith Matthews and I'm joined by my co host Marcelo Tabuata. Marcelo, how are you today? Keith, I'm doing great. You know, what a great episode
2: you had last week. I listened to it and, you know, we did the intro together, so it got me thinking. And the fact that we have so much land in this country and we have a home affordability problem, it's mind boggling to me. But I guess that's what we're talking about—the subject today, right? So, the subject we're covering today is the new account that the government created. So, let's—what's the name? Can you even say it? Because you know, it's a mouthful, right?
1: Well, the account name that we're going to be discussing today is the first home savings account, or tax-free. Is it actually the, called the tax-free first home saving account? The official name is FHSA. So
2: first home savings account. So it doesn't even have tax-free, but it is tax-free, which is quite
1: confusing. Perfect. So we're going to actually review why the government put this account in place. We'll also discuss exactly how it works, the mechanics behind it, who benefits from this account, and in the end, you know, maybe discuss you know, some ideas as to what kind of effect this is going to have, and then share with our audience some of the surveys around how people feel about it. So this is now going to add to a long list of various investment and saving accounts that Canadians have access to. So let's just kind of go over the list. And this is is the last one that is being added. So we've always had the RRSP. We have the RESP for education. We have the RDSP for disability savings plan. We have the tax-free saving account. We have had the home Buyer's plan, which was linked to RRSPs. And now finally, in this most recent budget and ready to be launched for 2023, we have the first home savings account plan. Yes. Okay. So what was the government trying to address in bringing this plan to Canadians? Yeah. So I was saying in the intro,
2: we have a huge problem in Canada. It's becoming unaffordable for a lot of people to own a first home or to own a home. And it's a big political subject now, It's only a, it's not only a financial subject. So it was at the center of the last campaign, and it was at the center of the last budget as well. So the government came up with this new account that allows people to save, they think, effectively for uh, when they're buying a new home, and... They want to address home affordability, pretty much. They think that with this account, it'll give people a, a better chance of affording a, a home. And yeah, I
1: mean, that's the intention behind it. I think the attempt is to make sure or to allow individuals to save more effectively for a down payment on a home. Correct, correct. And that's, that's the big issue trying to break in. Last week with Steve LaFleur, we spoke about the supply side. And he, along with a lot of other policy analysts, are proposing that, no, the real issue is increasing supply in Canada. And by increasing supply, we'll have better selection, better choice for Canadians and better prices. What this plan attempts to do is supercharge a young person's ability to save for the down payment. Okay, so let's go over some of the mechanics of the plan. So the mechanics
2: is you must be In the ages between 18 and 40, okay, you can only open an account as of 2023. To use this account, you must not have owned a home for the last four years. So that's important because if you own, if you're thinking you can use this for a rental unit or a second home,
1: wrong. You cannot use this account for that. So Marcel, if you owned a home 10 years ago and you don't own it anymore, can you still use this plan to buy a home as a down payment? So the contribution room, so you can,
2: you have 15 years to use this account. So the moment you open it, Keith, you have 15 years to use the money. So the total contribution room is $40,000. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So the maximum you can do is $8,000 a year. If you do not use the $8,000 that year, so let's say you open it in 2023 and you do not use the $8,000, the contribution room that you leave on the table does not carry for the year after. So the year after you will only have again
1: eight thousand dollars. Yeah. So each annual contribution is use it or lose it. But but you still get to keep your forty k total limit.
2: In place. correct. So in an ideal world, if you have eight thousand dollars a year, you'll max out this account in five years, right? But you have 15 years to reach out the $40,000. So I hope we're not confusing here. And
1: what about deductions? Does this generate a deduction like an RSP or is it like a tax free saving account?
2: Correct. So, like, you know, if the RSP met with the TFSA in a bar and they had a baby, like this would be the account, right? This would be the byproduct of that. So it's like a mix of both. So you have the tax deduction in a year, and when you take it out, when you use it to buy a home, your first home is not taxed. Very important that people know that because let's say your kids put their money in that account, right? And they say, look, I'm not going to buy a house, but I may use the money to buy a car. The money will be taxed. So you get the deduction, but when you take it out in order to not to get taxed, you need to use it to buy a home. That's the qualifying
1: statement there. I like your analogy, Marcelo, about the RSP and the tax-free saving account meeting in a bar.
2: <laughs> I do not condone one-night stands, by the way. But That's
1: good. <laughs> well, I mean, look, so what you're saying is, of course, that you get your full deduction like an RSP. And then when you buy your home, you get to use all of the capital. So really what you're doing is getting the marginal tax benefit on all of your contributions throughout those accumulation years. That's what you're saving, That's what's adding to your down payment. That's what's making it bigger. Correct. Now,
2: to end up is you have, like like I said at the beginning, you have 15 years. This is important, Keith. So if you put, let's say one person puts $8,000 every year for five years, you have $40,000 there accumulating, not paying taxes. You know, it's a tax deferred account. So any interest, capital gains, dividends that are generated in the account do not pay taxes. Now, let's say year 15 hits and you haven't bought a home. Like you're still renting, you, you do not have the intention of buying a home, you must transfer this amount to your RRSP. So this will be an in-kind transfer. It does not generate a new deduction.
1: It does not generate new RRSP room, but it must be transferred. It doesn't generate new RRSP room, but it is added to your RRSP. So in theory, in theory, and this to me, I think is one of the things that the government's going to have to relook at because for somebody who is going to be a renter and not have the intention to buy a home... They can be funding two accounts here. And that's, I don't think is what the intention was. So they have to figure some of that stuff out still.
2: Yeah. So the big caveat here, and it's a big disclaimer too. I mean, this is an account that still, the government is still looking at it. As of April 27th, you know, I read a good article in the Globe and Mail pretty much going over all the details. And it was a big disclaimer at the end that the government is still looking at a lot of the intricacies and nuances of this account. I mean, one of the ones we were talking about of Mike is if you like maybe we want to get into that. But let's say you have a contribution one year and but maybe your income is not that high. Can you defer that deduction for another year when you're making a higher salary. I think that's not clear yet. And that's one of the things that's huge because like, let's go through your example. I think that's a good one for people to listen because it has huge implications if they do figure it out, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, what we're talking about is you can see at some point parents gifting money to their kids to make those contributions and you want that compounding to occur early. So the idea would be parents gifting In their very early 20s, they may be university students at that point, maybe not working full time, maybe have very low incomes, maybe not be able to benefit from the deduction. Can this individual defer the deduction until they're 25, 26, 27, where their incomes are significantly higher? That would be sort of a way of sort of, I don't want to use the word gaming, gaming the system, but, you know, taking advantage of a program. So it still seems that that's not clear. And that's something that's got to be sorted out.
2: Yeah, so that's another point that they're going to have to clarify. So, can two people
1: save for down payment of a home?
2: Yeah, I was just going to get into that. So, the last two points I wanted to make is that, like, if if I have a spouse and we both have no homes, we both can use take advantage of this account. So, you can potentially combine eighty thousand dollars between these two accounts. And the last thing is that if you want to use the home buyer's plan combined with this account, you cannot do that. So, you must choose between one or the other. So that's important because if somebody were to be in a situation where they have this account and they have a first home savings account and they have accumulated also in their RSPs and they say, I have 40,000 here and 30,000 in my RSP, I'm going to combine both and put 70,000 down. You
1: cannot do that. You can only use one. Yeah, and I suspect the way that's going to evolve is that, for example, next year, if a young person wants to buy a home, they will still have more money potentially in their RSP, and they could tap into the home buyer's plan. But as the years progress, the first home savings account, as the account sizes start to grow, will clearly be the beneficial, will be the way, the direction that individuals will take. So, Marcelo, just to reiterate a really important point. If money goes into this first home savings account, it cannot be used to purchase anything other than a home. Your first home, actually. Is it your first home or your second home? It could be your second home. Yeah, but if you haven't owned for the last five years, right? Correct. So you can't put money in here to purchase a car, to help with your university tuition, to invest in a business. Correct. Sorry,
2: correction. It's, five, it's four years, not five. Very important. So we said at the beginning, it's if you own a home in the last four years, you cannot open this account. I just said five, it's
1: four. So I want to make that correction for the listeners. Okay. So do we want to spend a few minutes going over the difference between the first home savings account and home buyer's plan? Yes, we absolutely do. Because it's important that the, the, I think the
2: main difference is the, I already talked about like the fact that you can't use both. Now, the biggest difference is that the money that you take from the first home savings account is that you do not have to pay it back versus the home buyer's fund where you do have to pay it back. So if you take, let's say you take out the maximum of 35000 the CRA rules is that you have to pay that money back into the RSP over the next 15 years. Now, if, for example, you... Have a bad situation in your life, and at year number two, you do not have the money to put into the RRSP to pay back the home buyer's plan. That amount gets added to your taxable income that year. So, that's in my opinion a huge advantage of this new first home savings account versus the home buyer's plan. It has more flexibility, and you do not have to pay back.
1: Okay. Very cool. And the limits are 35000 for the home buyer's plan and 40000 for the first home savings account. Correct. Correct. Okay. So let's, let's switch gears here a little bit. Spend a bit of time in terms of how we see. You're, you're a young person, Marcelo. You're in your mid-30s. I know lots of individuals in their early to mid-20s. How do we see this being used? Who's going to benefit from this account? And how, practically speaking, how do we think it's going to evolve? Well, if
2: you're a young person with a very good salary, to me, it's clear that if your objective in the next five years is to own a home, your vehicle of of savings should be the FHSA. So if you have, let's say, dollar for dollar the money and you want to own a home, that's where the money should go. Now, obviously, if you have extra savings and you can start planning up for retirement and it makes sense for you to put in an RSP. I think that would be my secondary option. But I do see this, by and large, benefiting young Canadians who are high-income earners. Because if you want to max out the $8,000 a year, that's about $600 and some change that you have to save every month. So it's not everybody who can
1: benefit from that. Yeah, it is deductible too, though. So you do get a tax break. Correct, correct. Yeah. So yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I think this account, like many accounts really favors the higher income young person. And so I think we as advisors are going to be always asked by individuals, which one should I make my contribution to? My RSP, my tax-free saving account, or now this first home savings account? And I think that's going to be sort of common discussion in the next few years as to what to do. I think my preference would be to be telling all young people, I like the idea of starting RRSPs. Even though sometimes you might make the argument that, well, maybe the tax-free saving account might be a bit more beneficial, but I like the fact that you've got to get people starting thinking about their retirement. Just getting over that hurdle is a huge one. I think the next one is at the same or maybe equal is this new first home savings account. I think both these accounts, the RSP and the first home savings account, for those that have reasonable incomes are the way to go. And the tax-free saving account will sit out on the side for a little bit.
2: Yeah. Well, I think in an ideal world, if you can be saving 10% of your net income for your retirement into RRSPs and you have the extra money to maximize the first home savings account, that's the winning scenario for me. Well,
1: you're not going to like my answer, Marcel, because I'll tell you, I think the number <laughs> should be higher. You know, and I know we talk about this offline, and you tell me all the young people nowadays, they, they want to spend a bit more money. And, and I'd say, well, y- yeah, but you got to pay yourself first. So my old school thought would be, if possible, and the highest levels that you can imagine, because this is where all the benefit comes. The more you can put away in your 20s, the bigger your accounts are in your 40s. No, I agree
2: with you. But it's the elephant in the room right now, right, where I think we're hitting a bad period where, you know, incomes have gone up compared to 20, 25 years ago. But expectations are like way higher than the way before. People live in bigger homes. They want nicer cars. We have social media. And on top of that, right now, we have huge inflation. So people want to party. People want to go out. And it's kind of hard to put that into like pause to like think about the future for a lot of young people now, which is- You can
1: still party, you can still party without, but you can do it without, you got to save, you know, you got to- Of course. You got to be able to put money away for yourself first. Of course. I I think anyway. So one of the things that I'll say is that I'm not sure that the government really hit the mark here because, you know, again, it's one of these scenarios where yes, a few people will benefit. And we did the calculation. If you have a 40% marginal tax, bracket, you will save 40% of $40,000. So that, in essence, is kind of the government giving you $16,000. And so there's a small group of the population that will benefit from that. But at the end of the day, they're giving you $16,000. And I'm not sure that that's really going to help solve any type of home affordability issue, because all it's doing is adding more money to the buyers, which, in essence, pushes prices up making it a little less affordable for everybody else. But it's also, if you think about it, Marcelo, if the average home price in Canada is six, seven, eight, it's actually 800,000 across the board. But if you're looking at buying between six and eight, it represents about 2% of the home value. And and I'm not suggesting it doesn't make any sense. You have to do it, but it's not going to solve the issue. I mean, some
2: could even say that it would make the situation worse because you're adding more, you're adding more power to the demand side, and the demand is not the problem. The problem is clearly
1: the supply. Correct. So, so you're just adding, you're adding more fuel on the demand side for a certain group. Now does that group need the extra benefit? Absolutely. 100 percent. But I'm not sure this is what they need. I think what they need is more supply. They need more choices.
2: I mean, this is in line with what people believe, right? You know, seventy-two. We saw a survey that said that 72% of people who can benefit from this account believe that this account will not help them buy a house. So I think people know.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I think what most young individuals who are looking to buy homes are saying... The appreciation levels of the homes are going up so rapidly that it's outpacing their ability to save for down payment. So yes, this isn't a help to save for down payment. However, it doesn't keep up with the appreciation levels that we've seen in the last decade. Now, we might finally see some softening of prices with interest rates going up a little bit discussion of some supply, a little bit of curbing here and there. So multiple policies coming into place, we might see a softening, and then individuals able to sort of accumulate. So at the end of the day, our recommendation would still be, if you can use it, use it. Yeah, of course, of course. So Marcel, this is our intro show, we know that there's going to be more information coming out of the government, we're still also, you know, seven or eight months away from 2023. I do suspect we'll be doing another show on this very, very same topic in about a year from now. Any final comments for our listeners? No. You know, if you can take advantage
2: of it, for sure, it's a tool that could help. But yeah, without getting too political, I think the government tried to, you know, just appease some of the first-time buyers without having a a really, really like proper intention to fixing the housing problem. I think more needs to be done in terms of policy. I mean, just the stuff you discussed with Steve last week, but yeah, I'm expecting to see what they can do.
1: Oh, excellent. Thank you so much, Marcelo, for adding your comments in today's show. As always, you bring some great color and some great insights. And for sure, we'll be opening up these accounts starting next year. I do recall when the tax-free saving accounts were first opened, all of a sudden our firm, you've you've just got hundreds of accounts to open up. I don't think we'll be having hundreds, but we're definitely having accounts to open up and we'll be definitely there for our clients and listeners on, on any of their questions. So thank you all. Have a wonderful week and until next time.
0: You've been listening to the Empowered Investor Podcast, hosted by Keith Matthews.